0: the moment you've all been waiting for.
1: It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast.
2: It's Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
0: This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules.
3: <laughs> Today, Junior, America.
0: Mistake.
3: four. Best.
4: So stand by.
2: this episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by man rubs, mm. rubs barbecue tools blow torches t-shirts coffee cups and all-around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again it can be found at ManRubs.com and on instagram man rubs use the code stake 15 for 15 percent off
3: the pillow king of minnesota and the apparatus known as the my pillow family still rocking the my pillow version two buy one get one free sale in addition Pick up a pair of the Air Lindels, the My Slippers, maybe a My Dog Bed, and Giza Dream Everything when you enter promo code Stake at checkout. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You enter promo code Stake here, you're getting 15% off your total order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STEAK for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STEAK. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear, and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment that can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, hope Raheem likes his custom set, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright, odyssey.com is the website, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Stake for Podcast Breakfast, there you'll find a link tree that'll take you to our social media as the website, our newest substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social, welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 215. Guys, we've got a great show lined up. Jim Nels is back with us today, and we're going to be sitting down with Kimberly Guilfoyle for the first time. Before we get into any of that, let's jump right into the news. Um, I've been here for the past five days. I have not heard any explosions. I have not heard any
2: air sirens until about half an hour ago, right when uh, President Biden
5: was in the center of Kiev, as, as Clarissa was, was just mentioning. Well, happy President's Day, sir. I want to ask you about the current occupant of the White House. He spent the day, President's Day, in Ukraine with President Zelensky rather than go to East Palestine and spend it with the suffering residents of Ohio. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's
4: very sad, and I'll be going, uh, as you know, I'll be spending some time in Ohio where he should be, and uh, frankly, the FEMA should have been there a long time ago, and I announced that I was going, and all of a sudden, is sending a lot of money now, and they
6: weren't going to send anything, so
4: I'm honored by that, but I'll be there on Wednesday, and I look forward to that. It'll be great. Those are great people, and they were abandoned, but now I think they won't be abandoned any longer. Okay, we're good
3: whenever Thank
7: you very much for <coughs> Uh morning to everybody.
4: Today we host uh, President Biden. That is so important signal for us. And all, we are proud of it. Thank you very much for coming, Mr. President. That is a huge moment of supporting the Ukraine. And um, what can I say? I really appreciate that President Biden, American Soviet society, being from
3: the very beginning of this tragedy, from the very beginning of
1: this full-scale war. But in retrospect, Trump had asked a deeply patriotic question. If Russia ever joined forces with China, American global hegemony, its power would end instantly. You'd have the world's largest landmass and largest natural gas reserves allied with the world's largest population and world's largest economy. So a Russia-China axis would be not just more powerful than the United States, but much more powerful. It would have the scale to control a lot of the world's economy and trade routes and raw materials. It could project military force that, posturing aside, we actually don't have the power to stop. If Russia and China ever got together, it would be a brand new world and the United States would be greatly diminished. Most Americans agree that would be bad. Now, as Donald Trump predicted very clearly, that is happening.
4: All over the last two years, the destruction that they've done in two years, nobody's ever seen anything like it. And even now you have a president going to Ukraine and you have people in Ohio that are in desperate need of help. And I was very proud to say that I announced I was going to Ohio. You know, FEMA said we're not going to give them anything. The Biden administration said we're not going to give them anything. And then I announced, I'm going. Please sit down. Yeah, go ahead, sit. We'll be here for a while. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? But they weren't going to get anything from FEMA. They weren't going to get anything from anybody. And then I announced, I'm going. And FEMA said, oh, we'll give you whatever you want. Everybody's throwing it at them now. And you know what? I'm happy about that. That's good. We're going to go on Wednesday. But as soon as we announced we were going, the money started rolling in, but it's not supposed to be that way, is it?
1: Putin must not win. That would show that aggression works and force is rewarded. It would be dangerous for our own security and for the whole world. So we must sustain and step up our support for Ukraine. We must give Ukraine what they need to win and prevail as a sovereign, independent nation in Europe.
0: And let there be no doubt, the commitment of the United States to our NATO alliance and Article 5 is rock solid. And every member of NATO knows it. And Russia knows it as well. An attack against one is attack against all. It's a sacred oath. Sacred oath to defend every inch of NATO territory.
3: Those were the sounds of President's Day. And this is Steak for Breakfast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. Guys, don't forget to follow us on all social medias. Just type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast. You'll find us on Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. More importantly, subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Samsung, wherever you're listening. Hit the subscribe button. Like the show. Leave a review after you listen. Don't forget to rate it. And, uh, man... I rate President's Day, quite honestly, is a 10 out of 10 because there was more news cranking off on a day where it's just usually pretty mum. You know, you got a couple ceremonies going on in the United States, maybe a tribute here or there to former presidents, uh, a speaking event at, at some kind of fundraiser for people who are looking to maybe get into the next election cycle. But the entire day spun off yesterday. It was Biden versus Trump for, for a 24-hour news cycle. What do you think, Noah?
2: Yeah, there was it was, uh, it was an epic uh, battle of uh, proportions not yet seen. <laughs>
3: man the best part about joe biden's visit to ukraine w- wasn't the uh half billion dollars he committed to Zelensky again yesterday or or the uh millions of dollars in in, in wasted american taxpayer dollars in the, the trip that was planned there uh but it was the little red spray-painted circle that he they showed him to step on so he wouldn't miss his photo <laughs> opportunity you know th- there was a bunch of stuff going on yesterday both old and new and, and trying to get into the argument we're going to take it up to uh New York yesterday, where Ron DeSantis didn't hold a campaign event for support of law enforcement, but did want to touch on a lot of the issues that are important to someone that you would think would be running for something like the president. Let's hear him weigh in on uh, the Biden administration and the proxy war that we're currently fighting with Russia and Ukraine.
5: Well, they have effectively a blank check policy with no clear strategic objective identified and um, these things can, can escalate and i don't think it's in our interest to be getting into proxy war with china getting involved uh, over things like the borderlands or, or over crimea so i think it would behoove them to identify what is the strategic Ooh. objective that they're trying to to achieve, uh, but just saying it's an open-ended blank check uh, that is not acceptable. So,
0: Governor, what does
3: a win look like for us in Ukraine? Say for it, neocon. Ukraine. Say it, neocon.
5: Well, I think it's important to point out, I mean, you know, the fear of kind of Russia going into NATO countries and all that and steamrolling, you know, that has not even come close to happening. I think they've shown themselves to be a third-rate military power. Uh, I think they've suffered tremendous, tremendous losses. Uh, I got to think that the people in Russia uh, are probably disapproving of what's going on. I don't think they can speak up about it for obvious reasons. So I think Russia has been really, really wounded here, um, and I don't think that they are the same threat to our country, even though they're hostile. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're on the same level as a China.
2: Right. Uh, Governor, you're doing something very important. You're oh, an ep-
3: stop it. Do you, you hear the inflection on China? China. Listen, is he not the real life Mayor Quimby? Even when he starts talking, he's <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> the, he, the mannerisms. He looks just like him. He's got to gain a couple more pounds and he'll be there. Um, but, you know, it, it it's, it's pretty funny. He stops just short of, like, what the Biden administration's narrative is, is that Russia's goal in this conflict right now is to roll through Ukraine and into NATO countries when, you know, we, we heard a direct opposite uh, from Vladimir Putin, who, who kind of took off his belt and gave a couple butt lashings to the United States in regards to uh, social issues and things of that nature in his State of the Union address, which happened overnight. Um, well, obviously, we all know it by now, Joe Biden, instead of doing anything for any presidents, including himself here in the United States, for President's Day, decided to uh, head on over to Ukraine and uh, do his thing over there. It seems like it's, you know... Pretty much the centerpiece of the Biden administration right now, and it's the biggest thing that deflects from all the negative uh, occurrences that are happening here in the United States. Unfortunately, uh, we did see obviously there was some movement, as Donald Trump alluded to in our cold open montage of, you know, uh, Norfolk. Now the EPA has, has kind of put them under the microscope and said, "You want to know what? Start to finish, from the derailment to the explosion to the cleanup." you guys are in charge of it mm-hmm. and you're going to be under the watchful eye of us who knows how good that is under the guise of of joe biden because the person that's leading you know the equi- uh, the epa right now is uh, diversity equity and inclusion higher so mm-hmm. uh yeah that's kind of where we're at i do want to touch on the amount large amounts of money that joe biden continued to commit to ukraine while he was there in his speaking event on president's day yesterday
0: military economic and humanitarian support we united the leading economies of the world to impose unprecedented cost that are squeezing Russia's economic lifelines. Together, we've committed nearly 700 tanks and thousands of armored vehicles, 1,000 artillery systems, more than 2 million rounds of artillery ammunition, more than 50 advanced launch rocket systems, anti-ship and air defense systems, all to defend Ukraine, and that doesn't count the other half a billion dollars we're going to be we're announcing with you today and tomorrow, that's going to be coming your way. And that's just the United States in this piece. And just today, that announcement includes artillery ammunition for HIMARS and howitzers, more javelins, anti-armor systems, air surveillance radars to help protect Ukrainian people.
3: Where does it end? it won't <laughs> never you know it's pretty funny one thing that didn't happen during his press conference there was flubs and gaffes and mm-hmm. he started to reread things a couple different times but i didn't hear the air raid sirens go off is when he was taking his no, photo nobody
2: op. ducked for cover or
3: nobody no secret for
2: service reaction whatsoever none of the guards for the ukrainian military that were there circ- Everybody just step on the red circle sir yeah just uh, <laughs> no, no no worries this this just means normally that you know we're about to die but we're just going to completely ignore it. It's just fabricated. It's, it's 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 all just like you know what? You know it'd be really cool right now while these two guys are walking up. Let's turn on those arid sirens we never use anymore.
3: Yeah. And it's so funny that the the administration made it a point all day yesterday to say that this took months of planning and months of coordination just so it happens on not only our President's Day but the Russian State of the Union address mm. and then a lot of the things that Vladimir Putin pointed out in his State of the Union address. Obviously, he blamed the West. He said that this war started back in 2014 and 2015 when the U.S. instituted a coup, which led to the eventual you know people that are in power now. Um, and and then you know Russia also announced that they're backing off of a. Uh, denuclearization treaty that they uh, were in with the United States. Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that the whole thing with the the cold war?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and, mean, yeah, let's, let's get that going again. That one, that was great. That was a great period of time for the country.
3: And a top diplomat who was in the audience did a press conference afterward and said, president G is now set to do a formal state visit to Russia. Oh, perfect. So all the things that we know can happen and which will eventually lead to the United States getting, Basically kicked out of the top spot. This is like when they, you know, took the bulls apart back in the nineties. <laughs> can you can you imagine
2: how history is gonna look back on this period of time in our in our country? It's just gonna be like everything's fine, everything's fine. Things are a little shitty, then everything's fine again, and then just everything completely off the deep end.
3: I can only assume that this is something that we're going to be able to touch on in just a few minutes with Jim Nels, who's going to be joining us to talk about this and some other stuff that he's working on. But let's hear a very pointed part of Putin's State of the Union address, where he hammers a lot of the cultural and social issues that the United States is having right now.
6: We cannot ignore the fact that Russia, can, Russia cannot be defeated in So they're waging increasingly aggressive information attacks. First of all, targeting the young generations, lying on every step, distorting historical truth, attacking our culture, the Russian Orthodox Church, and uh, other traditional religious institutions in our country. Now look at what they're doing with their own peoples. They're destroying the institution of family, their cultural and historical identity, And uh, various perversions with regard to children up to paedophilia are accepted as uh, the new norm. And priests are forced to recognize and officiate same-sex weddings. People can live uh, however they want. And uh, we in Russia have uh, never intruded into people's private life. Hmm. And we're not going to do that. But what we want to say is maybe they should take a look in the scripture into the holy book of any great religion. It says that the family is a union between woman and man.
8: Mm.
6: And these holy texts are now being increasingly doubted in the West. Mm. The uh, Anglican Church is now considering the idea of a gender-neutral God. What can we say? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing.
3: I mean, it's pretty bad when that makes it into the Russian State of the Union. Now, now everybody understands that that, the whole bunch of this is propaganda-based. But, but, you know, it's one of those things where we, we are playing with a slippery slope, and it's like a lot of people always go off and commentating. I really wonder what our enemies think of us when they see us on the battlefield, in the economy, you know, in, in uh, national defense and stuff like that. And it sounds like Russia's got a pretty good idea of what's going on over here and the degenerate behavior. That's kind of encompassed this administration and uh, you know, encircles our society right now uh, as we're getting ready to wrap here. I do want to play a quick clip from President Trump. He was asked a question last night at one of his speaking events. He was speaking at Club 45, which I think is now transitioning, not pronouns-wise, to Club, <laughs> club, club 47. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a younger person in the audience who kind of wants to know, like, listen, we talk about it on the show all the time. The one thing we're not talking about uh, whenever it comes to the Russia-Ukraine conflict is how are they ne- going to negotiate this thing getting done with? And uh, it seems like only one man can answer that question. Let's hear it. Relax. Uh, Mr. President, we have a question from a younger in the audience.
2: Uh, hello, Mr. President. Hi,
3: I love
0: that
4: shirt. It's so beautiful. <laughs> uh,
2: thank you. He's got a shirt,
4: Trump won.
8: <laughs> After you become the 47th president, what are you going to do to stop the war in Ukraine?
4: So I would uh, literally start calling, not from the day I took over, but from the night I won. And I called two people. You know who the two people are? Putin, right? You know who Putin is? And Zelensky. And I'd say, we're going to meet. We're going to meet. And I would, I, I guarantee I could work that out. I guarantee. I know exactly what I'd say, by the way. I know exactly. I'd tell one guy this, and I'd tell one guy that, and I'd say, you better make a deal. We would have a deal made in 24 hours.
2: <laughs> and then Zelensky would say, but what about my money? You fired.
3: <laughs> and that was kind of like what we saw yesterday a kind of a weird, wild, big news cycle day for, for, What typically is on President's Day is a day of kind of calm and relaxation. We all know that this regime can't handle doing that. And when you have somebody out there to go head-to-head with Joe Biden in the news cycle like Donald Trump, it was definitely going to make for some news. And uh, we're going to be continuing to talk about this right now, uh, amongst some other things with Jim Nels. But before that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house... Our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're gonna get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right. Joining us now here on Steak for Breakfast, he is a supply chain expert, a little bit of an economist, does some amazing writings, which you can see at the Washington Examiner and the National Pulse. Joining us again, Mr. Jim Nels, Thanks for coming on the show.
9: Hey, guys. It's great to be here.
3: Oh, it's great to have you, sir. How's everything going? Happy belated President's Day.
9: Oh, you can't beat President's Day when the president goes overseas to uh, give billions of dollars to a foreign country. The vice president's in Munich at the arms dealer conference and our Uh, Secretary of State goes to Syria or Turkey and gives them a bunch of money as well. So, yeah, happy America.
3: Yeah, kind of where we're at. That's what we were just talking about in, in our cold open today, and then we're going to continue on that with, with you. So yesterday, I mean, if you were just kind of like watching the news cycle and how it was developing, obviously the Joe Biden making the surprise visit to Ukraine was something that kind of soaked everybody, super saturated the news cycle early on in the day. But as the day kind of spun on and we got to like the early evening, uh, Donald Trump seemed to get a leg up on the media, and it was kind of impossible not to see him by the end of the day. A tale of two different uh, presidencies, the 45 and the 46 out there doing different things. But uh, w- what do you think when you when you see something like that now? It, it, it's definitely a, a great uh, way to describe the two different directions that the country are going in now. But uh, it, it, I thought yesterday was a little bit more blatant than we'd have seen in a long time.
9: Yeah, I agree. I mean, th- the Biden administration just seems to be totally tone deaf or blind to the optics of the things that they do, right? So to have the president in... A foreign country on president's day when you have a disaster in ohio is just it 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 makes it makes no sense and then it just gives an opportunity to someone like trump to you know i think he's going to east palestine tomorrow to to be with those guys there and it just sends a message that one person cares about america and one person is a globalist that cares about the global economy and the global world and not the american people
3: yeah, it's, it's really a shame, you know, when, when you look at it and kind of see Joe Biden's rhetoric today at, uh, you know, the, the NATO summit in Poland. And then you have uh, Vladimir Putin last night gave his State of the Union address, which was, listen, a lot of it was saber rattling, war talk, like we're still Russia. But for people that really listen to that start to finish, and if you weren't, if you got to kind of break it down with either captions on or uh, an interpreter, he really started to deconstruct a lot of the problems that are going on in the United States. Now, he talked about problems within the church, problems within our own economy, a lot of the social issues, and uh, we we played a clip of that uh, a little bit earlier in the show. I thought that was uh, pretty big to be able to point out on the world stage because we know even though a lot of people are are against Russia, they want to hear what what Vladimir Putin has to say for him to kind of just lay it out there for the rest of the world to hear.
9: Well, it's, again, symptomatic of the Biden regime, right? If you remember when Blinken went to meet with the Chinese early on in the uh, administration, uh, the Chinese lectured us about our um, our record on human rights. And he sat there and he took it. And now we've got Vladimir Putin lecturing us about how our country's fallen apart. You didn't see that under Trump. When 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 Trump was on the world stage, he controlled the narrative. Now the rest of the world controls the narrative about the United States.
3: Yeah, it certainly does, and uh, like you said, it's it's for everyone to see. So it, it's very interesting to see how kind of things are shaking up. I mean, a lot of what happened over the course of the last, well, two years, but more specifically over the last couple of weeks with the Ohio train disaster and Donald Trump getting ready to go there uh, tomorrow, in addition to uh, you know what we've seen from our, our highest levels of the federal government, the, you know, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, and uh, Joe Biden out there doing what they've been doing over the last couple of days. Definitely gives the American public a very good uh, receipt on what's exactly going on.
9: No, and I agree. And, you know, if you want to talk about what happened in Ohio with the train derailment, I mean, let's think about this. That happened on February 3rd. Yep. Today is the t- 21st of February. The EPA just announced this morning that they're taking over control of the cleanup. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? And where is everybody? I mean, if you think about during, during COVID, Fauci was on TV every day telling, telling us we had to put on masks. Are they telling the people of East Palestine that they have to put on masks? I don't know. Where is the EPA? Where's Mayor Pete? I mean, Pothole Pete has been totally absent from this. And then when he did finally talk about it, what did he say? He said, one, trains derail every day. There are thousands of train derailments every year. And then he went in to talk about all the good work that his agency has done to try to make train travel safer. And that's like me showing up at at someone's funeral who died of cancer, talking about all the great progress that we've made in curing cancer. It's, it's just totally tone deaf. And it again goes back to the whole administration. They, they don't know what they're doing. They're incompetent. And that's why I've been calling for Mayor Pete to be um, kicked out of office since the, uh, the end of last year.
3: Yeah, you, you have been one of the loudest voices calling for that. And, you know, there's a lot of people up on Capitol Hill right now, especially our Republican Congress people who have uh, done a good job while they're out of the office. You know, they're they're on recess until next week, taking pot shots at Mayor Pete at, uh, you know, uh, Tony Blinken, who just had an awful trip meeting with the uh CCP delegation over there, and then Joe Biden's trip to Ukraine. But the fact of the matter is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to start investigative hearings that could lead to a possible impeachment for people like Mayor Pete, for people like uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, Janet Yellen, and and all these people who just are completely inept in their job and have contributed, you know, to exactly what's going on in this country right now and sending it in the wrong direction? But we'll have to see. Up until this point, it's been a lot of good commentary that makes it on to places like Sean Hannity's show. But in reality, at the end of those hearings, everybody goes back to work and we just wait for the next disaster the following week afterwards. So that's kind of where we're at with that.
9: No, you're right. And at, at the end of the day, you know, the, the House may vote to impeach, but the Senate's never going to convict with, with the uh, the way that the math works in the Senate. But it may be worthwhile to just get some of this out in the open and try to get some of the American people to see it. But that's if and only if it's carried by anything other than Fox News. If it's only going to be on Fox News, it's not going to do anything because all the people who watch Fox already want this to happen. So it's it's not exactly going to wake up the, the world to what needs to happen with some of these people like Mayorkas, like Buttigieg, like Yellen, like Blinken, um, and like Biden himself, right? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if some of these issues that are happening to Biden were happening. And it was instead of being Hunter, it was Don Jr. It would the, the world would be apocalyptic at this point.
3: Oh, it certainly would. And uh, speaking of the world being apocalyptic, uh, you just concluded a, a multi-piece segment here for the Washington Examiner. You, you wrote a couple amazing pieces about something that we've talked about on this show for you know, a greater part of the last few years, I think it definitely ties into everything that not only exemplifies what's going on with this regime, but just how since like maybe when Barack Obama really started to spin the culture war negative back in 2017 and how that kind of led all the way up through the summer of love and to where we're at now, which culturally is a flashpoint in this country, uh, just about regarding every social issue, it's the overall downfall and crumbling of our historically important major cities. You highlighted a few of them, and I want you to tell our listenership about it.
9: Yeah, so one of the things I wanted to take a look at is the way that uh, George Soros has been funneling dark money into elections of prosecutors in various cities. Uh, you know, prosecutors being district attorneys or state's attorneys, whatever an individual constitu- cons- constituency calls it but you know the facts are that since 2016 soros has put more than 40 million dollars into district attorney elections he owns now 75 district attorneys across the united states that represent 20% of the population but those those 75 prosecutors are having jurisdiction where 40% of the murders occur in the united states right mm. now so what, what he did, and, and I'll, I'll give him credit, you know, he's, he's a brilliant man. Uh, I disagree with him on everything, but sure. he is, he's a smart guy. He couldn't get the laws changed, so he, he put people in office who just won't enforce the laws. Right. And two of the major things that his people are doing that's destroying our cities is they're, they're not enforcing gun laws. And so you hear all the time Joe Biden coming out saying, we, we need to ban this gun, we need to ban that gun, we need to do this, that, and the other but they're not enforcing the laws. Larry, um, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia is, is not enforcing gun laws at all. And if you look at what happened just recently in, um, at Michigan State University, the, the, the man that killed those three people and injured five others had been arrested in 2019 for illegal possession of a concealed firearm. The Soros-backed district attorney downgraded the charges to having a gun in or near a car and he was given a year of probation, not charged with the felony, was still allowed to purchase a gun, and now we see what happened to those poor families at Michigan State. So we need to enforce the laws. The other thing that these, these district attorneys aren't doing is they are not putting the add-ons onto um, charges. So for instance, robbery. I could, I could rob you just by you know grabbing your cell phone out of your hand and running away, or I could take a sawed-off shotgun, put it in your mouth, and take your money and your wallet and everything else. District attorneys in these liberal based cities are charging those the exact same way. And that's why you have people in Los Angeles, for example, um, one convicted murderer is going to get George Gascon's name tattooed on his face because George Gascon lowered his thing from murder one with special circumstances down to basically manslaughter. Yeah.
3: Yeah. This is kind of something that we've been, it's pretty funny how when uh, you know, Obama administration really started to spin this culture war negative and create like a an enormous racial divide in this country. It, it's pretty funny how you are able to articulate that George Soros was just starting to meddle in all of these major cities just a year before that, really starting to flip these elections to get these people in here that may not have any uh, authority to change the laws, but just don't adhere to them moving forward.
9: You're right. And I think your point about Obama is really good. You know, Obama is is going to be looked at historically as probably the president that failed to take advantage of his opportunity the most of any other president in the history of America. Sure, He could have united this country, right? He could have been the president that we all look to to say, wow, look at how amazing America is. We we elected a black president twice, and this is what he did to unite the country. And instead, he took the exact opposite approach. He divided the country. He made it about race. He was the first person to be anti-police. If you remember the the issue, I think it was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where the police uh, arrested a professor who was actually breaking into his own house but crawling through a window in order to do it. I tell you what, if I'm crawling through the window of my own house, I would hope the police would stop and go, hey, what's going on? Right, mm-hmm. right, Because I don't want people crawling through windows of houses. So you know, Obama missed a golden opportunity, and I I, I really believe that history is not going to look very favorably upon him.
3: No, and, and Jim, do you think that where we're at now, halfway through the first uh, – Biden term in office. I mean, obviously, he's going to be running for reelection. No telling what could happen in 2024. Obviously, we we sure as hell do- hope he doesn't win another election. But the fact of the matter is he's there now. And how this administration has been touted by a lot, even even in the on the left as the, the third Obama administration, when you just look at all the lackeys who are hanging around, either in, uh, you know, uh, presidentially appointed positions or in cabinet positions or just senior advisors like the John Kerry's and the Susan Rice's and the implementa- implementation of the diversity equity and inclusion plan and how that is becoming like the blueprint for the government, which will eventually trickle down to the American public where, where, you know, woke is trying to take over everything right now, even though the, the people that are promoting this represent the smallest demographics of everybody in the United States. Do you see this as all kind of maybe part of the same big master plan?
9: I don't know if it's a master plan, but I, I, I tell you what—I've never seen a, an administration that just fills jobs based <laughs> off of check boxes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, all right, find find me a gay man so I can make him the Secretary of Transportation, and now I need a transgender person to come into Health and Human Services, and let's get a Supreme Court justice who doesn't even know what a woman is. Right. I mean, it's 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 totally ridiculous, and you do have. A lot of these unelected people in the administration, your, your your Valerie Jarrett's and your your other folks who are moving the, the pieces on the chessboard. You know, I, I would really love to know who's controlling Biden right now, because it, it, it's obvious that he's not in control of his own faculties. And um, we, we, we have to get to the point where we go back to a merit based uh, country. Right. This this whole DEI thing is an abomination. And. You know, I, I personally believe that equity is probably the worst word in the English language yes. because equity means that you take people who are performing at a high level and drag them down to the lowest level possible so that everyone feels good. I mean, think about, go back to what's happened in those schools in, uh, I believe it was Virginia, where they weren't telling students that they had, they had won a national merit scholarship yep. because they didn't want other students to feel bad. I mean, my goodness, wh- what happened to us as a country? That When I was in high school back in the Stone Age, a, a national merit scholar was something that everyone had strived for, and and it was celebrated. And and now the the administrations hide it from the students. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's insane.
3: It's kind of where we're at right now. Is and and, and you know, Jim. The last thing I want to touch with you on reading through these uh, great pieces that you wrote. The crown jewel, in my opinion, is your hometown of Chicago. Uh, you know, man, it's it's just been such a. a a tough watch to see that place descend into where it's at right now. I know you're extremely tied to the, the windy city and uh, what can you tell our listenership is they're going to get ready. we I mean, obviously we're going to live link everything in the show description today. We want people to be able to read this and understand and comprehend what's really going on in the ground and some of these historically important cities about what it's like at ground zero in Chicago right now.
9: Well, Chicago has basically turned into a, a dystopian nightmare at this point. Um, if you look at the, uh, Michigan avenue which is the the park avenue of Chicago thirty percent of the retail stores have shuttered their their windows and they're just not there anymore and these aren't mom and pops these are flagship stores of, of places um, that no longer just want to deal with all the crime in Chicago we there were a bunch of stories last week that came out about the the homeless situation at O'Hara airport yep and what went on there and finally after being called on under the carpet about it lightfoot finally got the folks out of there but she didn't care about that because her donor class isn't, isn't part of that. But the, the thing that, that hurts me the most about Chicago right now is that they have taken the police department, these, these hardworking men and women of the police, and they've villainized them to the point now where the Chicago Police Department has a murder, or excuse me, a suicide rate that's 60% higher than any other police force in the country. Not 6%, 60% higher. Over 20 police officers have taken their own lives since 2018 in the Chicago Police Department. And that's in a police department of just over 2,000 people. So it's it's a really a shame what's, what's happened. Uh, these folks deserve better. And But what's disappointing is that the Republicans didn't even put up a, a candidate for mayor this, this election cycle. We have a mayoral election on the 28th of February. Not one Republican ran. And... A Republican could win in Chicago if they took the right steps. If They went door to door, put boots on the ground and started talking to a lot of these folks who are the victims of crime. I mean, if you're a poor African-American woman living on the south side of Chicago, you're not worried about equity. You're not worried about if, if, uh, transgender rights. You're worried about your child getting killed on the way home from school. And that's a message that I think that Republicans should be bringing to places like Chicago and Philadelphia and New York and Los Angeles. And it's incumbent upon the Republican Party to start doing it, or else we're gonna have a new generation of Republicans that are gonna replace all these guys and we'll start over.
3: Yeah, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, there there was a lot of uncertainty going into the midterm elections on what the majorities in the House and Senate would be. I mean, obviously we know what we're running up against with the Biden regime and, and the executive office there, but now that we've kind of redefined that, you know, Ron McDaniel is going to be having over, uh, you know, by the end of her thing, uh, close to a decade of time in in office now. And uh, she, she really needs to be able to get down. She talks about getting down to those grassroots levels. It just doesn't mean about motivating the vote and getting people registered. It means, you know, coordinating with people at the city level and and places like that. Mayors in, in some of our big major cities that are just absolutely tore up right now and, uh, you know, working towards more plausible solutions. Jim, where are people going to be able to find these articles? We're going to be able to uh, live link them in the show description today.
9: Yeah, so uh, all these articles in the Washington Examiner, you'll have another one coming out, uh, I believe, tomorrow about St. Louis and Memphis, Tennessee. And then I'm going to wrap up the series with an essay on um, California and all the fun things that are going on out in California. And then you can also find me on Twitter at, uh, at Jim6555.
3: Yeah, we'll live link that as well. And we'll be looking to sit back down with you at some point in March as we're getting ready right now to start talking about uh, Tony Blinken's disastrous weekend. We're going to say thank you right now to the awesome work that you're doing, Jim, over getting these articles out and coming on the show, talking to us about the economy and whatnot. As we're getting ready right now to cut into uh, Tony Blinken's disastrous weekend, we're going to say farewell to one of our great friends, economist Jim Nels. Thanks for coming back on the show.
9: Guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on with you.
3: Well, that was great sitting down with Jim Nels. What do you think, Noah?
2: Yeah, he's good. I like him.
3: Very smart man. And uh, Well,
2: we've had him on, what, twice now? Is it the second yeah. time or the third time?
3: I believe it's the third. Yeah. And we'll be looking forward to have him on again. But, uh, you know, some of the work he's doing is incomparable to a lot of the other journalists who are out there trying to paint a different narrative of what actually is going on. Uh, what went on over the weekend, though, and got washed up in a lot of the non-news that's filling our news cycle usually... Was the fact that Tony Blinken did go and meet with a high-ranking Chinese delegation, uh, the the trip that was canceled because of the Chinese spy balloon, uh, actually wound up happening? And when you talk about just geopolitics, national defense, things like that in general, you know, we kind of always have to circle back to the very different approach that Donald Trump took to all this. You know, the guy who would go out and ask, "Well, what's really the importance of NATO?" Like, what do they do, actually? and What do they pay, even more importantly? And, you know, telling Vladimir Putin, if you invade Ukraine, I'll nuke Moscow. Whether or not he meant it or not, he still said it. And and things like North Korea, how many people joked about that being a thing? And uh, a lot of people don't know they tested three intercontinental ballistic missiles over the weekend. That kind of flew over the news cycle, Ooh. <laughs> not under the radar. Maybe both, depending on the way our national security is set up right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're set for missiles, at least. Maybe not uh,
2: Billy's Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade's balloons, but.
3: <laughs> Never going to get old. <laughs> Did
2: you see the video of, I don't know if it was real or not, but it's actually like one of the, uh, the, like the cameras on one of the little uh, ham radio device balloons that went up that apparently got shot down, and it's literally like he you see the video and like they they uh they kind of montage it with like uh you know an f18 taking off and a missile
3: firing or whatever and then you just see the little uh pelican box just fall to fall to the ground i think the babylon b meme that said like uh I tried to explain to my teacher the government really blew up my homework. It was a pretty funny one as well. But Tucker Carlson had a good take on, on some of Donald Trump's foreign policy stances. And I think leading into the disaster that was Tony Blinken's that you'll surely see by the time we're done with this segment right now, we'll uh, attest to that. Let's hear it.
1: I used to tell you that Donald Trump was stupid. Remember that? He's an idiot. Now, we're not going to sit here and tell you it was a smart idea to turn the White House over to Jared Kushner. It was not. But it's also true, if we're being honest, and we should be, that Donald Trump had far wiser instincts about American foreign policy than any leader in at least a generation. And he did it without the help of anyone. None of his advisors wanted to hear his views on foreign policy. In fact, they desperately wanted Trump to be quiet, but Trump wouldn't. What's the point of NATO, he asked, nearly 30 years after the fall of the Soviet Union. No one in Washington could answer him. Shut up, racist, they replied. But Trump just kept going in his Trumpy way,
3: and that's you know a big point there. There, there was a great clip from inside the uh, State Department last week where Ned Price got hung up by that one uh, reporter who always hammers him—the guy that's been in the press pool for like thirty years, talking about like, okay, what's what are we doing here? And then Ned Price kind of goes into like, this is Putin's war, gas prices, economy, like all the different bullet points that you always so elegantly point out Noah that they have to hit when they go out for speaking events but the guy's like yeah but what's like literally the point here and he's like oh well obviously you know russia moving east and he's like i don't i don't really think it's that it's it's more of like hasn't nato been moving west and he's like well, what do you mean he's like has nato literally been moving west especially over the last 25 years and he's like well yeah that's because you know we're we're there for this this is like and he's like so so it's an anti russia coalition and he's like Ned Price is like, no, it's not an anti-Russia coalition. What are you talking about? He's like, well, I hate to tell you, Ned, because I've been doing this a little bit longer than you have. But uh, it was an anti-Soviet coalition for like 50 years. And he was just like, you mm, know what to say. It's like, <laughs> what, what do you say to that? What it's morphed into now. You, you fact check it. It was yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> and And that's the truth. So you know, Tony Blinken went over to meet with this high-ranking Chinese delegation to talk about a multitude of things, including trade, national defense, and spy balloons. Uh, guess what? He did not receive an apology. We'll get to that in a bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty ugly, and uh, not as ugly as when he sat down with uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Fake Press this Sunday. Let's hear a little bit of their exchange.
7: I also had uh, an opportunity, to, because we're here in Munich, uh, as you know, focused primarily on Russia's ongoing right. aggression against Ukraine, uh, to share our uh, very real concerns about China's support for Russia in that, uh, in that war. And uh, what we've seen in, um, over the past years is, of course, uh, some political and rhetorical support, um, even some non-lethal support, but we were very concerned that China is considering providing lethal support to Russia and its aggression against Ukraine. Mm. Uh, And I made clear that that would have uh, serious consequences uh, in our relationship as well, something that President Biden has shared directly with President Xi on several occasions. Uh, Finally, um, I underscore the importance of having direct lines of communication, the importance of continuing to engage in diplomacy between our countries. I think uh, this is something that the world expects of us. They expect us to manage this relationship responsibly. Uh, and so it was important that we had that opportunity this evening here in Munich.
1: Uh, I want to start with what I think is um, uh, the, the, the newer piece of information God, that guy's you're sharing, the you and like I know that the we've been reporting separately. <laughs> this concern that China is considering lethal potential lethal aid in this war to Russia. What evidence can you share with us uh, that indicates your concern that they're going to escalate their help to Russia? As you said, they've been helping them rhetorically. Uh, They've been helping them maybe by buying cheap oil. Um, But what is the other evidence that you have here that they're thinking about doing more?
7: Well, Chuck, China's trying to have it both ways. Um, Mm. Publicly, they present themselves uh, as a country striving for for peace in Ukraine. Uh, But privately, as I said, we've seen uh, already um, over these, these past months uh the provision of non lethal assistance that does go directly to uh aiding and abetting Russia's war effort, and uh, some further information that we are sharing uh, uh today and that I think uh will be out there soon that um indicates that they are strongly considering providing lethal assistance to, to Russia. Um, to the best of our knowledge they what haven't form? crossed that what line form yet. Is that? But as uh, we're sharing
1: Yeah. In what form?
7: Um, Chuck, I, I, uh, Chuck, I don't want to get into the the oh, details in this um, uh, in this in this moment, but there are various kinds of lethal assistance that they are at least contemplating providing.
3: There's, there's your uh, Secretary of State, ladies mm. and gentlemen. What an embarrassment! Uh, a couple points that he made there: reading between the lines, hearing through the noise. He talked about the open channels. He he circled back to that twice. We have reported on the show because a lot of people have been talking about it. We've actually heard million Austin both uh, commentate. China and Russia are not picking up the phone uh, when we call now. Like, hey, did you guys? Uh, did you guys leave a spy balloon over our country? I don't know if you heard. No, there's already another one. Oh, good. Yeah, it's well, off, it's off the uh, it's it's west of Hawaii right now and heading our way.
2: Is it an actual like I don't think Chinese so, spy balloon this time or just
3: I don't think something from Hobby Lobby can make the trip from west of Hawaii to the continental United States. It's quite a haul. Mm. So yeah, and uh, China actually. Tony Blinken in, inside of these high-ranking meetings, we want an apology, because you blew our shit up and now don't want to give it back to us. All they have to do is kind of go with the narrative, like, hey, this thing blew off course and we really couldn't get control over it or whatever, and, you know, optically to the press and the politically uneducated, um, you know, they, they might just actually side with the Chinese in, in, in you know understanding a portion of this narrative. And yeah, Tony Blinken would also go on to say that uh, when Chuck Todd asked him, it, you know, is it fair in hindsight to say that the Biden administration and the Department of Defense might have overreacted on the shootdown of the uh, Hobby Lobby satellites, mm. he was quick to respond, nope. Fuck them kids. <laughs> so, and uh, like I said, I, I do want you to hear the actual receipt when, when he was hit up about getting a, an apology. Let's hear it.
7: I can tell you, no, there was no apology. Uh, But what I can also tell you is this was an opportunity to speak very clearly
6: Mm, and very directly Mm.
7: about the fact that China sent a surveillance balloon uh, over our territory, violating our sovereignty, violating uh, international law. And I told him quite simply that that was unacceptable and can never happen again.
3: And and please don't not answer the phone when we call, please. Yeah. And and don't do it again. Do you think he apologized? Closed door meetings? Probably. Yeah. I I firmly believe that. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: And that just goes to the sad state of our foreign affairs and overall national defense right now. We're in a a very tough bind with this administration. You know, I I saw that Susan Rice now is going to be the czar who controls all diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout the federal government. She's going to be like the person who's saying we're not diverse and inclusive enough. Which is pretty funny. We've joked on the show about what happened with Don Lemon, right? Mm -hmm. He made some age-related jokes about Nikki Haley uh, not being in her prime when she talked about people, you know, over the age of 75 that run for public office, especially, like, senators, House representatives, and especially the president should be getting cognitive tests when they get in the race. And, uh, you know, he kind of hammered her on that and saying Nikki Haley at at age 51 is no longer in her prime as well. It was kind of like a dirtbaggy skirt, not really a, a knock at her intelligence or anything like that, you know? But now Don Lemon, who was put on leave for a couple days, I think he missed like five total shows mm-hmm. in one of the lowest rated morning news programs when you're going up against people like Joe Doucheboro.
2: And he's back.
3: And he's back. But what, what, what is the stipulation of him coming back, Noah?
2: Oh, he has to go through, well, what, sensitivity training or mm. some bullshit? <laughs> it's,
3: like a, it's like a funny movie that never ends. You have a openly gay African-American man who makes an age-related joke at like an Indian American woman. And now he has to go through sensitivity training to resume his job. Gotta love it. You know what I don't love though, is what's going on with uh, Russia and China. And and it seems to be the underlying tone uh, of just about everything. You know, when you talk about Ukraine and then when you talk about these meetings that happened with China over the weekend, it seems like we know very well what happens when, when these two get together and, and what the overall, you know, end result could be, and it's it's definitely not a good one. So I think our government wants to do anything in our power to stop these people from collaborating on a, on a higher level. And, and then what happens on, like, the world stage when you get to a point where China is, I already suppose that, do you think China's already giving Russia in some context what they called lethal force? I mean, I don't know what lethal force means. That can mean anything from, like, a bullet to a jet. What's lethal force? What's lethal, lethal forces. What do you think? Well, yeah, I
2: mean anything that they send over that's going to be some sort of war fighting equipment or apparatus. Hmm. It's just how are you going to I just how are you going to have everything that's going on right now and just not think that on the sly there's going to be some shady arms dealing going on? I mean, we already know that the stuff that we're sending over there's going you know the going by the wayside and just disappearing and uh, not to mention the pallets of cash. Sure. Which, cause, you know, cause Ukraine doesn't have fucking Venmo apparently.
3: Well, I keep seeing more and more reports, obviously, or is
2: that more than $601? Mm.
3: Depends on if you're conservative or not. Ooh. So only 20% of our military equipment is making it to the front lines in the battlefield. Like where's all the rest of it going? How, how is Zelensky yesterday in a sit down with Joe Biden saying they're already out of bullets. I mean, I have seen some of those Telegram videos where they're just kind of spraying and praying. Mm. But, yeah, China and Russia getting together is probably the one thing we don't have. I mean, it's a sad state of foreign affairs, sad state of our government overall. And we're going to be touching on this in just a second with, uh, well, she's a pretty big influencer out there, former Fox News contributor. She's getting ready to launch her own show, Kimberly Guilfoyle. But before we do... Secretary blinken sat down on CBS's Deface the Nation this weekend and he was hammered on on a little bit of this narrative like, what are we doing here and and what what is the end game of these two people are being forced together? I mean, China and Russia basically bring like Syria, Turkey, India, Pakistan, and a lot of other countries that are not friendly with us, maybe even North Korea, uh, the Taliban as well who who's selling some of our abandoned arms to russia its who knows what for but uh let's hear him try to kind of skirt around this issue
8: iran is also accused of providing more weaponry to how, russia how you. can i forget iran mm. so it, they, are, right. they are they uh, are building uh, we've seen an iran alliance
7: provide, um we've seen iran provide drones that uh russia is using in ukraine to attack uh, civilian infrastructure yep to kill civilians uh, this is something that's been going on for months uh, we've been working to uh, expose that, to take action against it, to sanction it. There's an increasingly noxious relationship between Russia and Iran, and it's mm-hmm. actually a two-way street. Not only is Iran providing this uh, this equipment to, to Russia, but Russia is also providing military equipment to Iran, uh, including, um, it, it looks like, sophisticated uh, fighter planes. That's something that looks like it may be happening, uh, which would um, make uh, Iran an even greater threat if it acquires that, that technology. So this is something that we've been... Uh, talking about with uh, allies and partners around the world, that relationship is a growing concern.
8: And that would make them party to this conflict directly. In in other words, this isn't just a war between Russia and Ukraine. Mm.
7: Well, what we've seen with Iran is that the malicious activities that it's engaged in uh, throughout the region, and it's been uh, engaged in for years, we now see that uh, expanding out to other parts of the world, and particularly in this case uh, to uh, Russia's war against Ukraine. And that's, of course, Uh, of real concern. We've also seen them targeting um, opponents of the regime, including in the United States. As you know, uh, some individuals were uh, arrested just a short while ago for trying to uh, assassinate uh, uh, an Iranian uh, journalist in New York uh, who uh, opposes the regime.
3: You know, Mm. the the fact of the matter is, Noah, here's the thing. Until this administration, this regime, is ready to crank down on real sanctions and basically say, like, you want to know what? This is what wants that we can get to the negotiation table, but we just don't want Russia to overtly claim victory in this. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep Crimea. They're going to keep portions of Donbass, but we're going to end the killing. And this is how we're going to do it. We need you to stop accepting their oil. We need you to stop jumping into like a modified version of the swift debt resolution Uh, currency program that you guys are all doing and making side deals on the side. If we could just squeeze them for a couple months, Putin will probably say, you want to know what we've succeeded in stopping Ukraine from pushing us out of Donbass and, and and retaking Crimea and and we're good with that. Um, But it's, but it's going to take a collaborative effort. Now, do you think at this point shooting down the Chinese spy satellite and Iran and the Taliban now giving weapons and logistics to Russia, China jumping in there giving weapons and logistics to China and everybody coming up in their economy because they're buying oil at the cheapest rates possible. That this could ever happen?
2: Well, we 100% don't have the the balls to do it because I mean, we we're getting so many benefits from selling ourselves to China. Like all these politicians are are making money hand over fist just being corrupt pieces of shit that are just selling our country away. Mhm. So why would we, we're not going to take an active stand against these things. Like we have no balls. Like, and when I say we, I don't mean you and me sitting here. I just mean the people that are in control of the country right now. It's awful.
3: We had a real opportunity over the last couple of weeks to maybe kick a couple of diplomats out of the country or, or say that, you know, things that we're working on with, with China in regards to, you know, Joe Biden's really, this administration's done a great job of trying to renormalize normalize trade where Donald Trump took a more taxes and tariff, angle to uh, getting them to abide accordingly. Well, that's
2: the only thing that they'll understand is like, oh, you're going to charge me a shit ton of money instead of just giving me everything for for nothing?
3: And I I really think at the end of the day, like this regime wouldn't mind working with Russia in the future in regards to oil. Uh, A lot of people don't understand this. Do you know how much oil, how long it's going to take to get that strategic petroleum reserve back to at least normal levels? Because right now we're in the worst numbers we've been in since the last 50 years, mm. you know, almost 700 million barrels of, of oil have been taken out of that. And here's the thing.
2: Well, it's not even just the strategic oil reserve, like the amount of weapons that we've sent over that now we do not have in our stockpile. And it's like, you know, you can run the factories round the clock. Like you said last week when the military industrial complex is salivating mm-hmm. at all the money that they're making. But at the same time, it's like, we're still not going to get back up to these numbers that we we need to be at. So okay, so you have a handful of items on your desk, right? And every once in a while somebody comes over and adds a couple more items to your desk. But when you take giant handfuls of it and just throw it over your shoulder to somebody else, like it's not going to recycle itself. It's not going to regenerate itself mm-hmm. fast enough. So we're already at a loss financially. So let's say you know the strategic oil reserve. What is that for? So if a time of war happens, we're completely cut off from whatever part of the world we don't have any oil and all this stuff coming in. It's supposed to keep us able to subsist and continue to be the the superpower that we are and be able to not just have the machines come to a screeching halt. Right. But that's where we are now. It's yeah. like how many. What kind of time frame are we looking at before the machines go to a screeching halt? Now, the way that we are, we've severely depleted our resources. It's bad. It's really bad.
3: And we can't. We, it's not like we could just immediately start digging in the ground and be like, "Oh, there's oil for the gas pumps." That's not the way it works. Yeah. No. And uh, you know, when you talk about getting cut off, you're talking about like submarine warfare. Mm-hmm. You're talking about countries that we might be in conflict with, saying like, "Not only are we not going to supply you with oil, neither." Are any of our allies, or let's just say, there's an attack on the Suez Canal mm-hmm. or the Panama Canal, and uh, you know the supply chain really breaks down in regards to oil. When you talk about the supply chains, it's like, well, okay, so
2: how many co- how many companies do you know in the United States that that have their production is done in China? It's almost exclusively almost all of them, unless they're a purported made in USA company where that's like one of their gimmicks, or not even a gimmick, but as Few and four that's one of their things yeah. and then there's a lot of companies that i purchase things from simply because they are like that agreed it's a little bit more expensive but it's worth it in the mm-hmm. long run when yeah. you think about it because every time that you i mean it, i made the joke before it's like you know you go door to door and be like hi would you like to donate to the chinese communist party military uh, industrial complex and you're like, well, no that's that would be counterproductive to to the benefit of our country it's like okay well this company making their fucking jeans over there and their shoes all these companies that have boards over there and they have like i here's my company on the united states
3: they also have a corporate headquarters they also have a
2: corporate headquarters over there but those corporate headquarters because of the rules in china they have to have somebody from the chinese communist party on the board yep so who has access to everybody's data exactly so and that and that data is all encompassing because you know why would you have two sets of data
3: one of the biggest issues with tiktok
2: yeah so so now take all that into consideration now let's say that china just stops shipping the shit over for your company how many businesses would just go belly up within a month because they don't have well so knocking out supply chains or just knocking out the supply it's the same thing yeah and how many companies would just go belly up and it would cause our economy to go deeper into recession deeper into just a huge fail that's already happening yep. and the, the country would just be weakened and just drop down to just a standstill
3: I agree that we're we're not fighting uh, person-to-person wars on the battlefield ever again. The, the next time a, a, a war goes hot, it's going to be extremely high-tech. It's going to target energy. It's going to target the energy grids in countries. It's going to target the Internet. And, uh, you know, it's going to uh, target the economy before we, we might even see missiles getting taken off. You
2: might even see, I don't know, uh, coordinated attacks on rail systems that spill hazardous materials into some of the most rich and fertile farmlands of America. So
3: weird how that could that could probably happen if something like that was getting ready to go high. Weird. So weird. And and you know what, it's just the way that the news cycle's been lately. We're going to touch on this a little bit with Kimberly Guilfoyle and and on a couple other items that she's got going on in her world, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners.
2: You know how you've gotten that chewy hard disappointing jerky from the gas station? <gasps> you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bills. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated like that other junk ingredient conscious there's no sugar no soy or other additives just beef salt and spices working on those gains it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces that's twice the amount of that other jerky so if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the usa order some farmer bills with the code steak for an extra five bucks off by a 12-pack you can get free shipping the only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an american-made company that shares your values get yourself some farmer bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today
3: all right, joining us next on the show, she's a former Fox News personality. I enjoyed watching her on The Five. Uh, right now, she's getting ready to launch her own show and making her steak for Breakfast Day View. Miss Kimberly Guilfoyle, thanks for joining us on the show.
8: Uh, well, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. You know what's so funny? I love the name of your show because... My favorite thing to do with my father when I was growing up was have steak for breakfast. He always says never pass up a good steak. Steak and eggs for breakfast, and I'd wash it down with a milkshake. But I still eat like a thirteen-year-old. So nice, <laughs> well, we well, like it. Just
2: imagine if you are in the studio, you'd probably have a steak in front of you right now. There you go, one
8: hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. A- I used to do that Kimberly's food court all the time, <laughs> the eating stuff from you know National Pierogi Day or the new kind of. uh tacos from taco bell or whatever
3: nice i'm getting hungry well now that you've been on the show once you can have steak for breakfast anytime you want just give us a call
8: exactly i love it i love it,
3: it how's everything going with you happy belated president's day kind of a weird one but but it ended out pretty good the way we uh saw it yesterday with with president trump coming out uh at some point in the late afternoon yesterday to do some speaking events and kind of dominating the news cycle heading into the evening what did you see
8: yeah, I mean, the president, so he's never really stopped being presidential, let's be honest, because he's out there taking a great leadership role and he's really excited about going and seeing the great people in Ohio tomorrow. It's just unbelievable when you see the juxtaposition, the lack of leadership from the Biden administration, from FEMA and the EPA. So then President Trump having to step up to say, listen, I'm going to go see these people that are suffering. Why does it take you know a couple of weeks before anybody does anything? President Trump did the right thing. He's heading over there and he's going to bring a lot of uh relief. He's going to listen to the people and he's got um, 10 tractor trailers of water going to the residents there and get to see for himself, you know, what's going on on the ground. And that's the type of person that he is, you know, and I'm, I'm so proud of him. I know him. He's my great friend for 18 years. Wow! So I know the measure of the man. I know who he is. I know what he stands for. And I know when he gives you his word, you know, he follows through on it. And uh, you know, he loves this country and it's very difficult for him to see what's going on quite frankly, I mean, um, just to me, it's quite shocking that in just two short years, we've seen so many just abysmal changes and such a decline across the board, whether it's, you know, the economy or manufacturing or infrastructure, um, just our position on the world stage, just the lack of cohesive, you know, foreign policy, no focus on a strong, you know, national security. We see President Biden in Ukraine, We see President Trump on the ground here putting America first. I mean, what doesn't that kind of sum it up and tell you everything you need to know about these uh, two men?
3: Yeah, it's it's a point we like to make on the show all the time. Like Donald Trump, the the citizen, has really nothing else to do to to put a cap on his, you know, basically storybook life. He's came from awesome business backgrounds. He was a public figure for so many years. He parlayed that into, you know, if you read between all of the noise, one of the most successful policy wise presidencies, especially in national or I'm sorry, international policy. When you talk about some of our, our strongest foreign adversaries throughout the course of his presidency, probably one of the most successful ones ever. And you know, he has nothing else. This, he gains nothing else by running for the president again. And, we have so many former administration officials on the show. Rick Grinnell, Devin Nunes, Cash Patel, Matt Whitaker, uh, a half dozen great, yeah, yeah, half dozen of his lawyers. Christina's on the show all the time. So is Alina, Liz Harrington. They're all on the show very frequently. Former advisors, Theo Wald, Max Miller, the congressman from Ohio. They all come on and they talk about this isn't about him. No longer is about him. Yeah. He sees... The feeling he gets when he's around the American public, the people who still line up every day outside of his home down there at Mar-a-Lago and just want more of him, that motivates him to get in there and finish the job that he wants to do for the American people.
8: You're absolutely right. And, you know, he's still going out there working far harder than uh, President Biden and (laughs) Vice President Kamala Harris, I'll tell you that. But that's, that's not saying much. But he has continued to go across this country to meet with the people. He has stayed connected, in touch in tune with what's going on and what's on their minds um, and what they are thinking for their future and for their family and for their children and for the education their children are or are not receiving, the indoctrination that's going on in the country. He is talking to all the people to make sure to stay totally laser-focused on what needs to be done. He is a 1,000% determined to set this country back on the right course. And you're right. He has nothing personally to gain from this, so much to lose because every single day, You know, this poor guy's getting uh, sued. It was one Tuesday and he said, you know, he's like, Kimberly, it's Tuesday at 11. I haven't been sued yet, honey, today. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's what happens. Every single day they're trying to throw something at him. And imagine just constantly having to defend yourself, you know, one phony witch hunt and investigation after the next, one ridiculous lawsuit after the next, all for trying to do the right thing to fight for this country. That's what he's guilty of, just being a good citizen. He could sit back and enjoy his golf courses and his life and his family and his beautiful wife. But he's like, no, there's so much work to be done. And he really was hitting such a stride, you know, when he was in the White House. And it's just a shame that we weren't able to get him back in there again. And unfortunately, now damage being done just in two short years, is just appalling. Um, But he's really focused on 2024
3: No, it looks like uh, what seemed like a a soft rollout just a couple weeks ago is kind of spiraling into a much bigger one. We all know, uh, we talked about it before we started recording today, he's going to be in uh, East Palestine, Ohio tomorrow, which is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody who understands the Republican road to the White House and how over the last like decade and a half, it's it's a very slim path. Like you could, popular vote really doesn't matter. The Rust Belt is where it's at for Republicans and maybe like five swing states and that's it and making a big appearance for those people that are hurting so bad that have been essentially a abandoned by the current uh, people who are running the federal government is huge for President Trump, if only for optics alone. And one other thing that you touched on, I thought is so great. In addition to all the foreign policy successes he had, uh, more securing the border than it's ever been in decades when he was the president, how strong and robust the economy was. Now that he's really getting into some of those really poignant social issues, the protection of children, the protection of women yes. in Title IX, those are elements that he's adding to his campaign now, in addition to like all the great ones like you know, uh, make the border safe, law and order, and all the other good Trump policies like the economy is going to get so big we're never going to get tired of winning. That yeah. he's added to the repertoire that we're really looking forward to. Something else we're looking forward to on the show here, Kimberly, is you're getting ready to launch a new show. I think it's just about a week now. Yeah. And uh, we're really I'm excited. I'm going to do it over at that.
8: CPAC. Uh huh. So, so I'm really excited to be on uh, Rumble at Kimberly Guilfoyle. You can follow me, just um, you know, subscribe to my channel, it's free and uh, click on notifications. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I've been doing some videos and uploading to, you know, people get familiar again, some of my thoughts and viewpoints on things. So I've been on the campaign trail for many years, yeah. now, as you know, with the president um, and doing so many speeches, talking to the people and connecting. So I just feel like that experience has been so wonderful and powerful to totally understand what's going on across this country. In every single state, Don Jr. and I um, traveled and spoke to, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people, large crowds. And I wanted to share and continue I'm so tired of the nonsense where they're censoring you. You're getting punished in this country like we're a communist country. You can't have your own viewpoints. You get canceled. Uh, The nonsense is ridiculous. I know from being a journalist, you're not getting all the truth in the news out there these days. And that's why I think programs like I'm going to have and like you have are so important to connect with people to be free to talk about the issues. I mean, can you imagine that this is America and we're struggling and fighting just for like our first amendment right to not be canceled or have our children or our families, uh, punished for our own viewpoints in this country? So I'm super thrilled about it. I've always, uh, fought on, uh, you know, the tough fight being a former prosecutor undefeated. And so now I'm looking forward to it and getting my voice out there and connecting with all the fantastic people who, uh, you know, are like minded. And if you're not like minded, then. Why don't you tune in and listen? You'll learn a thing or two. <laughs> uh,
3: that, that's it right there. That's going to be kind of the basis. You're going to be talking on current events. Obviously, definitely uh, honing in on the campaign as it ramps up here across the country. And uh, yeah,
8: politics, law, pop culture, entertainment. I love sports as well. So nothing uh, off limits. It's going to be like the five, but like, you know unplugged, just like all in. So get ready. <laughs> you
3: know, for, for anyone that hasn't listened to uh, Don Junior's Show triggered, which just came out a few weeks ago as well. I got like five minutes in, it was like the first F bomb in. And I was like, okay, this is great. This is what I want people to say on like a political commentary show, but few, sure. few often do. And it's just like, it's not that you're doing it for shock value. It's doing it right. because you're talking like an average person to right. the average people, which is what resonates with them best when they're trying to get their information.
8: Yeah, we're really excited about it. Both of us to be on Rumble. We have no problem now. No, you know, we're not going to get censored. Right. So Don can be himself. That's a hundred percent authentic who he is, how he acts, how he speaks and what he thinks. So that's what I love. I love his show too. I've been on it a couple of times. He'll come online next week, uh, March 2nd when I launched. From CPAC, I'll have the great uh, Rick Grinnell on as well. So awesome! It's going to be fun. I think you guys are going to really uh, enjoy it.
3: Yeah, Rick Grinnell is one of our favorite guests, and he he only knows a certain way to like hammer people in the Biden administration. And he makes sure he has one pre-picked before he comes on our show. Gives us a little dossier before he gets into the issues with us. Love having him on the show.
8: Yeah, he's amazing. He's really great. He's a great person, and he was uh, really encouraging me, you know, to do this. So I'm thrilled. And you know, I worked with the president for him with the Super PAC as well. Um, yeah, he's just fantastic and he's so smart and he gets it. It's wonderful when you have someone like Rick on. Um, you know, and he'll be a regular with me as well because you're actually getting the real facts and truth about what's going on in this yep. country, the perils we face, you know, from a national securities perspective. So it's good, and, and people need to know it; they need to hear the truth.
3: Yeah, he's definitely got some receipts. Kimberly, we're going to be looking for you at CPAC, then the launch of the show, obviously shortly thereafter, and then for everyone who's not following you across social media, where can they find you? One more time for the Rumble link, and we'll get everything live linked in the show Perfect. description today.
8: Yep, at Kimberly Guilfoyle on uh, Rumble, Instagram, Facebook, Truth Social, and then it's at Kim. Gil- full on twitter twitter's always got to be difficult you know what i'm saying
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't get much more proud american MAGA than this miss kimberly gilford thanks for joining us on the show today
8: all right thank you so much you guys god bless
3: that was good catching up with kimberly what do you think noah yeah she's cool too i like her should be having uh don jr on the show should be having steak for breakfast she could have steak for breakfast anytime she comes over um but uh coming up on the show here soon so one of the big things that's kind of been i hope not lost in the sauce over the last couple months, apparently, is what's been going on with Project Veritas. And uh, obviously one of the most credible and impactful uh, investigative journalist outlets out there. Um, You know, they just blew the lid off the whole Pfizer thing where, you know, (laughs) they had that guy kind of meet another dude who tricked him into a date that basically said they're recreating things like what happened with the covid pandemic in the wuhan lab here in the united states they're basically uh doing gain of function to make boosters that'll work against the modified viruses which is absolutely fucking terrifying Mm -hmm. uh because we all know how that ends um but but something that has kind of you know spiraled out of control is is what has happened with james o'keefe the founder and ceo of the company what was once a great organization has quickly quickly fallen from grace. And uh, over the course of the last couple of months, you know, you've know, you seen uh, new people who have come into the company kind of build a narrative against James O'Keefe that what he was doing, number one, wasn't the right way to do it. Number two, isn't the direction that the company wants to go in, which I, I don't understand how it couldn't. I mean, he's the best at what he does, and the people he hires are, are the absolute best at what they do. Which, which is getting to the truth, but, you know, it looks like just a coordinated effort by some people within the company and, and uh, off the wave of, of probably some fake commentary from some of the newer people who have come into Veritas over the last couple of years, I believe 11 in total. They, they eventually signed a letter after a little bit of, you know, prodding to declare that James O'Keefe, Within the inner offices of Project Veritas had become a power drunk tyrant sent to the board and, you know, in turn, basically kind of started to publicly defame him, which is basically when you have something good that's going and and it seems like nothing could stop it. The only thing that could stop it is from the inside. And it's, it's how you see it's a great representation. It's a microcosm of what's going on in this country right now. Like our federal government up there in the Beltway, up on Capitol Hill, is doing the best job they can to like completely destroy our country. Project Veritas and and their board kind of did the same thing there. Now, no, I know you saw some of the posts that have been online. We also, you know, took some time out yesterday to sit down and watch James O'Keefe's farewell video, which we're going to mm-hmm. be hearing a couple clips from that in just a bit, but. When you see something like this and how great of work and how big of things they've blew the lid off of over the last couple of years and doing it the right way with a lot of integrity and just transparency that we don't get from these, these companies and these government entities and these politicians that they keep exposing, what do you think was the big play here?
2: It's just to get another – it's another way to get the most effective spread of information to be compromised and just d- – just dragged down to be silenced. That's all it is. That's what I feel like anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean, it even got to the point to where one of the emails that was leaked, because I'll I'll be honest with you, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, Project Veritas a little bit in his (laughs) farewell videos and kind of disclosing the way everything went down. uh, A leaked leaked email from one of the board members, and I'm going to read it right now for our listenership, people who are just maybe tracking this casually. This is a very important issue because this is a, a... a journalistic entity that exists solely to bring the truth to the American people. A lot of journalists say they do that project. Veritas has gone to the, like the nth degree of getting this done. And, and you know what? A lot of people might not like James O'Keefe for, for maybe his personality is very flamboyant. We all know he likes doing things like public theater and, but but you want to know what, for the most part in, in the MAGA community and the nationalist populist movement, he's well-received and, and extremely loved. We've always liked the work he's done here on steak for breakfast. And they're going to continue to support Javes in in his endeavors moving forward. But let's check out this email. We must take this opportunity to prove that Project Veritas is, Noah, can you drop a knot for me? Not? A cult of personality, but a force to be reckoned with. And we will grow and thrive and produce and distribute content that uncovers corruption and hypocrisy as we have always done. And we have many new faces to show off our growing audience who are curious what we can do. All caps. Let's show them. That sounds like to me. Wait, who is this? Well, everything's blacked out except for the body of the email, but that's that's an internal email between two executives at Project Veritas, or maybe two people on the board. Okay, mm. it sounds like a lot of people. Let's just use it in like people follow Donald Trump, mm-hmm. accumulated massive followings off of him. Yep, said we love him. Yep, have branched off to do their own thing. Yep, and have used that massive following to say like. My is better than everybody's. Even Donald Trump's. Vote Ron DeSantis. Mm. It sounds like a little bit of the same stuff was going on at Project Veritas where new people came into the company, mm-hmm. maybe who didn't ideologically line up with James O'Keefe. They kind of thought they could do it better than him, convinced people on the board, maybe even were on the board, donors, investors. Hey, listen, like we like the work James is do. We know what Project Veritas is, but, but we have to, it's the next generation. We could always do it better. And it's
2: the next generation that's. Beholden to big pharma and big business and the military industrial complex. So they're not going to go after those people anymore.
3: No, because James, I
2: unfollowed uh, all the Veritas accounts just by principle. Yeah. Just because I want to see, I want them to see a actual visual representation of, the catastrophe that they're causing.
3: So when James O'Keefe made it official yesterday, they were at 1.5 million followers. Can you pull them up on your Twitter while I'm talking here and and you can give our listenership. They've lost hundreds of thousands of followers so far. What were they at before you said 1.5. So, you know, the people, the thing people are failing to understand, especially within the board and uh, within project Veritas, the only reason people says they got 1.2. So they've lost over 300,000 followers. Yeah. People who have followed James O'Keefe or have come up with him over the years, they adamantly believe in his message. And when he is no longer there, even as like a figurehead, if he's not doing as much on the ground or he's not doing as much nose to the grindstone work as he was before, that like chartering pledge of him, the person, the integrity behind him is still there, which is very important. Here's another thing. James O'Keefe didn't care when the FBI came and took him out in handcuffs because he had Ashley Biden's diary while he was in his house. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who do care if the FBI come to your house, especially if you're like a journalist, just getting into the field, you're in your mid twenties to early thirties and you're just getting started. Having the FBI scare you out of doing your job is a great way to be a compromised journalist. And it looks like at this point moving forward, from the best that I could see, this is just going to be another controlled media outlet like you alluded to, Noah. I do want to play a couple clips from James O'Keefe as, as his farewell video, which which was about 45 minutes long. I pulled a couple excerpts from it. I, I think it's important that our listenership hears a little bit of uh, what was going on behind the scenes there. I think it's important to kind of wrap your brain around it, you know, kind of get a better grip on the, the internal struggle that he was going through. Because it sounds like the guy was was fighting up against a lot of things for a long time, and and to James Credit, he did not make it very public until it already got to the point of no return. I think it's it's a lot of credit to him and just the kind of integrity that he has of, of what was going on behind the scenes of Project Veritas. Hey,
10: this is now Friday, February 3rd. A board member reached out to one of our journalists and stated, quote, you get a raise if there is a restructure without James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. I have a copy of the text message, and I'll give it to all of you. I redacted the name of the journalist. The board member deleted the message, but not before our journalist took screenshots. Good job, journalist. (laughs) On Sunday, February 5th, now that's Sunday, two days after the Friday, a board member requested my presence at his home. He informed me, quote, you had nothing to do, James. With this Pfizer story, unquote. Hmm. Perplexed by this, I took out my iPad and showed him a video of myself confronting the Pfizer executive, which had 11 million views on YouTube. He responded, "Quote, but that was after the undercover video had already been done."
3: So, as you can kind of start to unpack this in your heads, no, you can obviously see there was a big pushback against James O'Keefe going on behind the scenes that. Really wasn't making it out to the public before things got too far ahead of, you know, as we're going to hear in just a second, what was really going on back there.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it was just a bunch of sketchy, backhanded skullduggery.
3: Ooh, I haven't heard that one in a <laughs> while. Not to be confused with the other skull, blanketly. But, uh, yeah, this is this is, pr- this is pretty wild stuff. And, and like I said, the way major corporate – I mean, this was like what? This is a corporate takeover pretty much initiated from the inside – People that have you know made names for themselves off the backs of of people like James O'Keefe and the and, uh, amazing and robust resume of of uncovering the truths he brings to the table, uh, just kind of got in there to get the job done and uh, you know get him out of there, which is what they've accomplished. But I I, I pretty much I am very very optimistic that this isn't the last we're going to hear from him as as we're getting ready to wrap. You know our our show today and in our last audio clip of the day let's hear james o'keefe kind of paint the rest of the picture and talk about what's down the road ahead
10: agreements about the boldness of approaches soliciting donations i was told and i'm paraphrasing by asking for x dollars right now you will prevent 10x dollars down the road that advice ran contrary to everything i knew to be true in my 13 years of fundraising Um, But that conflict was even more fundamental and essentially boiled down to this. And my vision, I'm going to paraphrase Howard Rourke, the architect, quote, I don't have, I don't build in order to have donors. I have donors in order to build. That's what I believed. And I felt like we had a conflict of visions. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental conflict, I felt. The day prior, I had informed him in front of his colleagues that he, if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. Mm. I tried to deal with it privately, but I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Feb- Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million viewed visor videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company. Receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing, the the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment I would be removed from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. So, our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name and it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me and I'll make sure sure you know how to find me. So with that, I'm gonna collect my things. I'm gonna load them into my car. And I hope to see some of you soon.
3: Mm. You You ever been a part of something like that, Noah? What do you mean? Like, let's just say past employment. Maybe not on the scale of, like, as big as Project Veritas, obviously, because we're micro-influencers here. But, you know, have you ever seen, like, have you ever been part of something and then, like, maybe a new person comes in or, like, you're, you work in a company and, like, management changes and they think they could do it better. So in order to do it better, they get rid of what has been working to oh, allow yeah. them to get there. That, that and sounds familiar. Yeah, you know, I, I, I coached sports for a long time. And uh, anytime there was a little bit of shuffleage within the uh, coaching ranks, there'd always be someone who thought they knew how to do it better than everybody else. But it, it, there's always like one equation that, that always works great. And that's kind of what, you know, James O'Keefe represented at Project Veritas. And it seems like to me now they're going to be not doing so well moving forward. I don't see it, and uh, again, w- we support James and all his endeavors I-, I do uh I'm confident that he's going to be joining us on the show at some point. obviously he'll do his his larger don't do it <laughs> I'm not going to say it <laughs> programs shows before <laughs> and, and what I'm talking about is the top. Oh! The Tuck exclusive. Oh, right. uh, w- w- we'll probably see that before we see anything else. But uh, but I think we can uh, probably land him on the show at some point. It'll be on the come up, which I feel now that he's separated from Veritas, he's already doing. It's probably there's probably been some things in that co- in that company and and amongst the board members that uh, you know are going to uh, or have been holding him back and, and moving forward. Let's see him get back to the grassroots. You know a thespian of his caliber and someone who made cardigans great again uh we love to see the investigative journalism that he's done over the years and we'll be looking forward to seeing uh james o'keefe really flourish and moving forward Mm -hmm. better than an average way to start the week what do you think noah not too bad could be worse could be a hobbyist spy balloon we wouldn't last very long if that were us if you enjoyed this episode of the steak for breakfast podcast and you want to hear the now over 200 other episodes of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Pod Addict, Google Podcasts, or even Samsung. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our amazing guest today. We had Jim Nell's back. Love him, economist, columnist and uh, provides great insight on the show in addition Kimberly Guilfoyle made her Steak for Breakfast debut talking about her new show and all things MAGA related programming note for anyone that's looking for Darren Beatty, we've got a little treat for you much to Noah's dismay we're going to have a special edition of the podcast up tomorrow a one on one exclusive with Darren Beatty. so be sure to look for that guys don't forget to uh, go out and throw some of your hard earned cash at our partners because when that happens you help make small American businesses great again namely pillow. You want the 2.0. I've gotten it. I think the biggest draw for me was the cooling technology. It makes all the difference. You enter promo code STAKE, you're going to experience. Buy one, get one free on the MyPillow 2.0s. If you want the coffee, and are more of a morning person. You enter promo code STAKE, my store, you're going to get 25% off your total order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE if you want the pillows. If you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash STAKE. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that Raheem Ghassam's about to ever own can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio and you're serious about things like podcasting and you don't want to waste anybody's time, you want to start off by taking care of those ears. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! I did some uh, fried rice last night. But I man rubs the chicken. No oh, dang. Yeah, it was actually pretty delicious. My kids ate it, surprisingly. I, I tricked them. I, I got some uh, salt and pepper wings from the Chinese restaurant, and then I told them that the rice was from there, too, so they just inhaled it. <laughs> my daughter asked for seconds, and I'm like, yeah, it's on the stove. She's like, you made this? Sure did. Manrubs.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot Cigars, go support our good friend Alan. He's launched a company that has an amazing product there, and it will take care of a lot of your uh, leisure time by filling it up with cigar time. You enter promo code Steak here, you're going to get 15% off your order. All orders over $100, bucks free shipping. A $10 e gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotsCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom loving Patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. It's delicious. You enter promo code Steak here, you're getting $5 off your order. You order a 12 pack, it's got free shipping. You can check them out at FarmerBillsProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, we'll be back on Friday. I know Noah's hyped for this guest. Dr. Peter McCullough will be here Thursday. Finally. It's getting launched Friday. Cash Mattel is going to join us as well. We're going to get some commentary on everything that's going on with uh, China, Russia, and everything in between. We'll probably also talk about Donald Trump's visit to East Palestine, Ohio tomorrow. Mark Mitchell of Rasmussen Polling. The Raw Egg Nationalists and Boris will be here on the 28th. I've got Devin Nunes locked in for March, but emails went out last night. Expect our schedule to fill up robustly for all those listening by the next show. So robust. Mm. Friends of the Week. Got my list right here in front of me. Let's see. We got Let's Go Brenda, Grand Old Memes, Right Wing Savages, Namrock Namrock, Madam America Meme Mar, Johnny Maga, John Hacker LA, Who White Memes, and that Southern Dude for the meme team. We never forget our True Social Twitch streamer crew. Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master. Some call me Tim79, shares us frequently on True Social. We love some of our friends from uh, other social media applications as well. We've got William S. Spoopy, Nightwing X, Ghost Hammer. Hmm. I think that's it for this week. Oh. Thank you. Things to remember between now and next show, guys. Number one, do your own research. A lot of stuff going on. Take any of the topics we touched on today. You know what? Go do a deep dive on Project Veritas. Listen to that James O'Keefe departure video. It's about 45 minutes long. Do your own research. Get to the bottom of things. Number two, start a podcast. Yep. Not too bad. You're welcome. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. President's Day started out with lack of American greatness, i.e. Biden and Ukraine, and ended with American Greatness. Donald Trump talking at Club 45 about how to end that conflict. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 215 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back 216 on Friday. Dr. Peter McCall and Cash Patel are going to be here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm our own Noah. Later. Thanks for listening, and take care.
4: danger than it's ever been in because of a word known as nuclear, nuclear, nuclear is so devastating that we don't even want to talk about it. And that was a word that was never supposed to be mentioned. You have two N-words, neither of which should ever be mentioned. I said that once. I said, oh, what a terrible thing to say. No, you have two N-words. You know what the one is, but the other is the nuclear word. Not supposed to ever be mentioned. Ever, ever, ever.